I'm sitting there on IG and I'm like, bro, I it it reinvigorated the, the hatred I have for the Red Sox, bro. I mean, do you remember this is a while, Luke, but do you remember when fucking Roger Clemens throws a fastball? It's not even close to Manny Ramirez's head. It's just up in the zone. But he someone had been thrown behind on the Yankees earlier. Ramirez running off. Is it is it the he was 72 years old? Is it Don Zimmerman? Comes yes. out and Pedro Martinez tosses them to the ground. Fuck the Red Sox, man. They're classless fucking bums. They always will be. It was up to me. We take the four or three championships that they do have, which is trash. We take those away. It'd be better if they had none. Let alone 27 fucking World Series championships. Let's go, baby. The Guelph Griffins the stink and the, and the Boston Red Sox stink. Let's cue the music. <laughs> Play the music, man. <laughs> Producer Alex go fucking kill me, dude. Only got We're back, boys. We're back and we're fascinated. <laughs> oh man. Episode four, all time with Luke Wilson. We got a good one in store for you today, and we're coming in hot. Hot. And I, I finally feel like I'm starting to settle in with this intro music. I feel like the first couple episodes, it was like, when do I jump in? I don't really know. But I feel like it's episode four, you know, we're starting to starting to find our groove. Mr. Wilson, how, how you doing today, man? We haven't talked in a couple days. We've been texting, but I don't, I don't get to, you live in LA, I live in Toronto, I don't get to see you. Yeah. How you doing, man? It's been, it's been a while. I'm feeling electric, but uh, been you know, let me get some off my chest, man. Some Let's people know, it. some people don't, but I'm down here in LA cycling, man. I'm chasing a dream, if you will. Yeah, and I'm like shit, dude. This cycling world, just like every other athletic endeavor, but there's just ups and downs, man. You know, I had I had a big week, and followed by a couple of days that were very average. But the good news is, I got new days ahead, man. But yesterday was a very average day, and it really. It ate me up inside, Luke. It ate me up inside, man. I got to be hey, hey, an average day is better than taking the day off, I bet, right? When when did no you question. when did you get into the biking stuff, like hardcore? Were you biking during your playing days or this like a post? No, never. I hadn't been on a bike since I was a little kid. And I retired. And I was like, shit, I got a lot of time on my hands, right? Yeah. And I went home. I hadn't been home. Traditional COVID story. You know, you're afraid of the border, blah, 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 blah. I hadn't been home in a couple of years. Went and saw my mom and dad. Mom and dad were just riding around the community. My dad was like, yo, man, you want to bop around with us? I got, I just got a new bike. You can ride that one. I was out there, flat pedals, wind, just a parachute on. Now that I'm looking at it, you know? And I was like, yeah. dude, this is fun. Maybe I'll buy a bike in Seattle. And I uh, went back to Seattle a couple weeks later, bought a bike. Met a dude, shout out Derek Wilkerson, former national crit champ. Kind of a fate sort of thing. Dude was a absolute i don't even know what you native to describe great bikers i was going to use some football tunes just a stud bike bike racer still is i mean the guy's just dialed on the bike guy yeah. guy knows how to pedal uphill bro not only that but i mean like handling bellis this guy and i would say that he's the equivalent of big balls belly but in crit racing man he finds a little there's a little crevice he'll take it man you know what i'm saying he knows he'll he'll risk it but he's got control, man. He's got control. You don't like that name. 
big ball. No, I, you know what? My, my mom actually (laughs) enjoyed it. She didn't, she didn't seem to mind. I thought it was going to just absolutely fucking blow her mind, but she called me. She was like big. She was laughing. She was like big balls belly. Like I'm just getting to this part of the episode. And I was like, oh, you're just getting Cause she had called me like 20 minutes prior and mentioned something. She was like, I'm really enjoying this. This is awesome. I was like, keep listening. Like, and call me back when, <laughs> when it happens. She was oh, dying. So man. I, yeah, hey, you, you just mentioned um, some stuff about control, and yes. this is where my mind's at right now. Um, fuck, I'm such an idiot. SZA just put out a, her new project, and her old project was named Control. The second you said Control, my mind just went to SZA's new album. It's it's all I've been listening to since Friday. It's like. The best album. I've, we talked about it last episode. It's like the best album I've heard in years. You're going to have to check it out. You're, you're, okay. you're just... Okay, I'll listen to it. Because I don't know if I know what is a song. Is that how you say it? Pardon? I don't know if I know one song by SZA? SZA, yeah. SZA. Okay. You're going to have to check I'll get, it out. I'll get on that. Yeah. You're gonna is have to it check S? It's S-Z-A? Yeah. I would say start with Good Days. Gotcha. It's a... Start, start with good with. days. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? And, uh, so you, you <laughs> need to start with like um uh the Stone Temple Pilots and just get back into that realm, bro. Okay. Plush, sex type thing, something like that. Just get get the rage in your life up a little bit. You need a little bit. Speaking of rage, even rage against the machine. I'll listen to some listen to sleep on the fire. How's that? All sound? right, I'll I'll zig uh, while you zag, and I'll and and I'll show up to next Wednesday's episode with a with a with a music review, but you oh, gotta like come that. with I mean, your okay. season review too. So Deal. you give me Deal. you want Rage Against the Machine? I'll I'll go I'll go take a dab with some Rage Against the Machine, and you can yeah that'll dive get into you right. the world of SZA. You can thank okay. me. Speaking Deal. of music, music, um, music is like very synonymous when it comes to sports. Or you think about. The, your your beloved Boston Red Sox with Sweet Caroline and like certain songs like that, right? I, I know, I know. Take that back, bro. Take. That I know. Back. I, I've I've known you only since August. I kind of know how to how to get a pop out of you if I really need to. That's, so it, it's it's early in the yeah. game. I got I got to keep you on your your back heels a little bit there, That's right? Fair. But is there any song or is there any like uh, sound or something that you hear and it just like takes you back to your playing days? Cause like I, I think about yes, the, yes, yes, I, yes. Yeah, I, I think about the the Colts game that I went to, and every third down they're playing the Undertaker's Bell, right? And the place just going nuts. So are you like working out or just out and about? You hear a song, and you're just like, oh shit! Like, what's what's that song? Yeah. Where does it take you? Like, I'd say there are two for me. Um, one I think will be pretty normal, and then the other one you might be a little bit surprised. But uh, the first one I think of would be Kickstart My Heart, and the reason every time I hear kickstart my heart is because in Seattle, um, every single game that I played there, we if we won the coin toss, which I would love to go back. I don't know if we can find the stat eventually. It seemed like we don't pick, right? We're the home team. It seemed like we batted 90% on teams missing. Like, it was wild. It was like, we'd have a home game. Like, they're clearly going to get the coin toss wrong. And they would. And we would always defer. Because that was how our team was built. That was Pete's MO. And every time, it was like, hey, we're going to win the toss. We're going to defer. And he would always, before every single season, Pete would, the first game, would call up, hey, you want to know who sets the tone for this entire team? 
and he'd be like, first team kickoff, stand up. He's like, this team defines everything that I want us to be this year. I want you to play with your hair on fire. I want you to run down there. If you're the fives, you're causing mayhem. If you're the fours, you're making the tackles. If you're this guy, you're doing that. Play with passion. Play with fire. Fly down the field. If it's a touchback, it's a sprint to the goal line. And we will time you. And we'll give up like little points, if you will, on a little point chart to whoever gets there first. And then afterwards, we will we want everybody celebrating touchbacks. Okay. And so you go, as at the time it was called CenturyLink. So I know it's Lumen Field now, but I'm going to call it CenturyLink for the end of this rant that I'm on. Every single game that I played there, you would sit there, we would win the coin toss, we would defer. The place is electric. They would raise the 12th man flag. Okay. And it'd always be like a very cool guest. Didn't always have to be an ex player. You know, could be whoever, yeah. local, you know, hero athlete, could be a local scientist, whoever. Okay. Someone in the community that was like very well known. And then it was like, so the flag's going up. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, all place kickoff teams out there you got the strength coach sneaking up behind everyone putting smelling salt in their nose little ammonium tablets guys are just going nuts and then all of a sudden be and the crowd was that's the beginning of kickstart you know what i'm talking about do you know kickstart you do you know what i i don't i don't okay first i'm just i know it's copyright i'm just gonna play the very first little thing so no no it's kickstart yeah Okay, that noise okay. right there. Did you okay. that one through? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'd sit there, and it'd be like every single 60,000 crazy Seahawks fans on their seat, or on their feet. Usually it's a light mist. You're playing the 49ers. You're playing whoever. The 12th flag just went up. And I'd always – I wasn't a kickoff guy. I don't want to an offensive player. So I'd be on the sideline, and it was like a moment of like the next three hours is going to be a – fucking epic bloodbath and it just was like you were so hyped dude everybody on the sideline worked towards one goal like it was electric it was absolutely electric so that would be it and what was the second one you said you had two you had one that that would make sense and that makes sense former seahawk getting you know yeah gets taken back to the home games is there what what's that second one i'm i'm, I'm a little more curious so the about second that one. one was only my rookie year i want to say I think they canned it after my rookie, maybe a little bit into my second one. But my rookie year, we would um, we would have intros, and the intros would be, or we come out of the tunnel, and the and they would go, and it would be bittersweet symphony. So they'd put like a highlight montage on like the little jumbo screen. I know bittersweet symphony wasn't like the most pump up song of all time. But as a rookie, I remember this in the sense of, especially my first few games, you would sit there and you're in the tunnel and you'd always hear like as a kid, like imagine running through the tunnel, right? In the NFL, imagine running through the tunnel in the NFL. And my kind of route to the NFL was never a guaranteed situation. It was yeah. never like, yo, you know, when you're out of LaSalle, Ontario, they don't crown you in 11th grade and say, hey, you're going to the NFL. Yeah. So when I finally got there, that like moment, while we're like waiting, there's cameras everywhere, and they're like, You're out in 30. 
Chancers yelling, that's too long. That's too long. Let us out. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. And then all of a sudden, my rookie year, yeah, yeah, that got nothing that's crazy. got more amped than, than that, Cam that... Chancellor. Greatest. He's the greatest. Yeah. That's not screaming nuts. at the, like, not angry at him, but he's screaming, like, yeah, that's yeah. too long. Let me out. And he was the baddest guy in the NFL. Got he was finna like somebody out every, every game. So it's like you knew he wasn't fake either. But anyways, then all of a sudden they would switch and they would just play the beginning of Bittersweet Symphony. So it was like the highlight montage, and they would let the hawk go. So we used to have the hawk that would lead us out first. So it was like this euphoric moment, like, okay, it's all amp, it's all amp, and then you hear this. And the and the hawk would go, and then it'd be like, and you're Seahawks, and it'd be like, I'm like, holy shit, dude! It was like, again, it was kind of hard to like put into words. Right now I keep saying like, like I'm a 12 year old, but that experience me as a player and as a young player is something that every time I hear Bittersweet Symphony, I think of being in the huddle as a stupid rookie, 23 years old, eventually on route to a Super Bowl team, like. Holy shit, dude! This is wild. So those are the two that really bring me back. Don't, I, be la- I, don't be laughing at me, bro. Don't be laughing. No, I'm only laughing because it is hilarious just how different our lives are. The song "Bittersweet Symphony" <laughs> takes me back to being, I think, around a similar age. But it's because I don't know if you saw it, but if you saw the video, Luke, you would you would shit yourself because there's a video of a guy jumping off a dock. I don't even know if we're going to be able to get this in the podcast. He's jumping off the dock. He does a flip. And while he's flipping, he takes a shit in midair. He's he's not wearing – like, he's – yeah. Yeah. He's got nothing on. And then Bittersweet Symphony playing. <laughs> and Bittersweet Symphony's playing. And you just hear – And this guy's just – and this thing of shit's just floating through the air. And my buddies and I one night might have played that video. Oh, shit. A hundred thousand times. He's cramped up. (laughs) Oh, shit. Look alive. (laughs) We got a cramp in real time. No way. (laughs) Boys, this is about one sec. One sec. Oh, no. What just happened? That was incredible. We went from... You telling just this like awesome story of of a rookie making it to the NFL out of like a college, small city, Windsor, Canada, all that stuff. To me, talking about shit flying through the air and you cramping up 15 seconds later. Dude, this We've is done. a bad one. I'm not a big cramper, but this one's really bad. I yeah. Where I is like it? Rarely cramp, boys. I need to make sure I hydrate up tonight. Fuck. Yeah. Okay, I'm coming back. Get it. Let's get get an IV in you. Coming back, boys. I gotta have legs. Holy shit! Fuck. Oh shit! I think it's more dangerous than the NFL. Nice, nice and elevated. Yeah. Bro, I did not mean to ruin the shit story. No, but dude, that was I tough. You, I think you just made it that much better. Bro, I have my leg. I don't know if you can see, but my leg right now is – its ext- oh, you can't see. That's my coffee. It's extended. It's still lingering, but I'm good now. Dude, I'm really sorry about that. That was fucked up. 
No, I, I, you know, cramps happen. Do Bro, you know? Came on did, quick. I, I saw it. I, I, I didn't know what was happening. It, it was just there was like a look of concern on your face that I hadn't seen before, and I was like. <laughs> And then you just toppled over, or you then you were just. Bro, I had to get, I had to get, I'm like, I better get up, or my hamstrings gonna go off my body. That's. All right, I'm back. I'm back. Man. I'm sweating, but I'm back. He's back. He's podcasting, man. He's, he's Alex. Podcasting. Alex Bry, like, what the fuck is the matter with these guys? <laughs> it's your flu game. No question. Playing, I do want to give a quick shout up. out, though, Luke. I want to give a quick shout out. Yeah. I'm gonna have to pull the mic over here because I can't lean in right now. I want to give a quick shout out to producer Alec. There's a lot of things in this world where, you know, NFL is a prime example. You think about offensive linemen, you know, the average fan doesn't get to sit there and be like, yo, today. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite current offensive lineman, Phil Haynes or the Seattle Seahawks, you know, played his ass off, absolutely dominated, had a ton of vertical push in the run game, protected his ass off in the past game was down the field chasing after getting late blocks on some explosive plays. Shout out Phil Haynes. Nobody says that shit. And this is the same thing in the podcast. Well, I think you would agree. Right now, people who listen, they see Luke and Luke. They don't see yeah. producer Alec in the background chopping shit up, busting his fucking ass. So quick shout out to producer Alec. Even though he's a Guelph Griffin in a fucking Red Sox man, we still love him. Speaking of uh, speaking of producer Alec, let's 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 get him working a little bit extra now that we've given him all the love. He mentioned something about a Dan Campbell clip, um, something about getting distracted with the wave. That's all I know going into this. We were gonna watch it beforehand, and I was like, let's just do this live on the pod. So if producer Alec I have a lot could to say about this, let's play it. Let's play it. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, so let's let's get that. Fired up. It's another thing that happened. These things happen during the game, but um, so we're in that that situation, and the fans are doing the wave um, around the stadium, and so I'm just watching, and I hear Ben Johnson's like, "Hey, coach, you want to?" And I and I'm just I'm so focused on the wave, and I said, "Yeah, that's fine." And I look up, and we're throwing it to Panay, and I'm like, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> <laughs> so, said it was fine. so, but it worked out great. Um, it was unbelievable. Listen, we knew it would be wide open. We worked the heck out of it. We've seen him run the reps. We've seen him flip his hips. He's got soft hands. And the only thing in the, in the, uh, the only thing I was worried about that I want to make sure golf got to him is make sure you stay in bounds, stay in bounds, stay in yeah. bounds. And he was great. That's good. Talk to me, Luke. Okay. I mean, anyone who's listened knows that I'm not a. Sorry. Anyone who's listened knows I'm not a diehard Lions fan of the organization, you know, of a lot of things. And I'm not necessarily the biggest Dan Campbell guy. No. This is the prime example of why I am not a Dan Campbell guy. I'm hoping he was kidding. You know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but can you explain to me how your team that is potentially to be six and seven in a NFC this week that has now three playoff spots for wild cards, you have a weak schedule the rest of the way where other teams that in front of you have a very difficult schedule the rest of the way. Yeah. 
you're healthy offensively. You're playing a 10-win team, okay? And I believe they were 10-2 and two at the time. Does that sound factually correct? Yep, currently 10-3. and three. Their quarterback threw for 425 yards against you. You are a third and seven with your playoff hopes, because they got to win out to make the playoffs. Playoff yeah. hopes and you're your season hopes. And if Kirk Cousins gets the ball back, he's fucking, I mean, he's ripped you the whole game. He's going right down the field and scoring. You're going OT. Okay. Facts. And you're watching the fucking wave. He's got to be kidding. He's got to be kidding. And he goes, what the fuck? Bro, this is the same team that consistently goes for it on fourth down, that consistently does trick plays, that consistently runs fake punts. Yeah. Can you explain to me how you think that because there'll be a time, they will there will be another time, might be every week, that the game comes down to the last play or one of the last plays of the game. Yeah. And you're fucking watching the wave. Yeah, I, I, I mean that's yeah. Maybe it was a and joke. It's, maybe maybe and, it was a joke. And it was like a trick play as well that you would have to answer correct. for you gotta, after the game if correct. it didn't work. And your and answer can't why, be, "Well, I don't know. I yes. was watching the wave, and when I clued into the game, the ball had already been snapped." Yeah, and and that's the thing. Head coaches, no trick play ever goes into the game or called in the game without the head coach's blessing on no team ever. I, I, I did hear a story once that somebody called a fake punt without asking the head coach for permission. And they were immediately fired after wasn't on a team. I played on, it was a different team. I think you could probably, someone could probably find the thing, but it doesn't matter you. And it's including four downs. You don't just get to say as an offensive coordinator, Hey, we're going for this on fourth down. Yeah. It's like, I mean, sure. You could say, Hey, you know, if you're, Shane Waldron in Seattle. Hey, Pete, man, I'd like to go or like go. I really feel good about going for this. Let's do this. Or Pete, usually Pete, like, hey, Shane, you're in four down territory. It's third and four. Pete will come out and be like, yo, boss, you have two more downs to get this. So now that opens up the run game. You know, you don't just kind of be like, oh, man, are we going to go for it right now? You like to go into it. So it's like, hey, it's third and four. So in my head, it's the same thing as second and four. You know, so I can run this and be happy if I'm in fourth and two. Not happy, but not, like, devastated. If that's the route you want to go, you get what I'm saying. That clip to me is why I do not think the Lions will make the playoffs. That's the exact – because on paper, I know the stats right now say, like, they're 20% likely to make the playoffs. I think it should be higher, quite frankly. If they if they beat the Jets, which is big if, they should make the playoffs. But I think they will fuck it up. Yeah, I mean, like they're like and they're Durant. behind the they're behind the Giants and and Commanders, two teams that play each other. So there's an automatic loss for one of them right off and the, the Seahawks. Jump. The there is two games or the Niners in the Chiefs. I will be shocked if we if they go one and one in that. That is a huge thing for Seattle. I mean, if they go two and zero, oh, we're winning the Super Bowl. Wow! But if they go one and one, that's a big win. The reality is. All signs right now point to 0-2 in those. Really? So you don't think they're winning Thursday night against the 49ers? Uh-huh. We can do this. We can do this right now. Don't we put words in my mouth, Luke. Don't put words well, in my mouth. I, I said mean, all just... signs. All signs. 
all signs are wrong. No, but that's when you zag. <laughs> I actually don't. I don't hate that. I don't. The dude. The thing with the NFL is once you start making uncomfortable bets, uncomfortable things, the board opens up a little bit. It just kind of does. And yeah, the Seahawks would definitely be the I think uncomfortable play tomorrow. The home dog, prime time. Pete Carroll. I know he's got good prime time and good Thursday night numbers. I think against the spread. Brock Purdy coming off beating Tom Brady. He's a little banged up, right? Things are going too well for the rookie quarterback, but I just yeah. don't know, dude. This like this Niners defense. Okay. Is Let no me no joke. I'm gonna give you generic answer and then I'm gonna give you food for thought answer. Hmm. How about that? Is that fair? I like that. So generic answer is the Seahawks defense has been very bad as of late. Correct. Um, they cannot stop the run, which is big, big bad. They um, really can't stop anything, let's be honest right now. Um, offensively, they're a run-first team, although Geno Cooks and is a GOAT. One put, well, I'll consistently say Geno Smith is a GOAT, was a GOAT before the season even started. Um, so... You sit there and you're like, is Kenneth Walker healthy? You know, maybe. But even if he is, he's coming off injury, short week. You know, they're down to Homer last week. Like, I'm not sure of the situation on DJ Dallas. There's a lot of question marks there, et cetera, et cetera. Niners defense. Niners should win by 100 points. Right. Now we're going to do a little bit of a food for thought. First and foremost, you nailed it. Pete Carroll's record on Thursday nights, I'm not sure, but I'm assuming it's very, very high. Pete Carroll's record on primetime with the Seahawks. I know that one is very, very high. There we go. Producer Alec, 10-2 on Thursday nights. How about that one? I was a part of those Thursday nighters. What happens on a Thursday night? Okay, a lot of it, a lot of the onus falls on the coaches. You have very, very minimal time to prepare implement the game plan to get guys practice okay but then also you want to get guys reps and you want to get guys prepared but you can't push it too far because you just played on sunday and you don't want to have a big practice wednesday so you really have what's called two and a half days to practice so how do you manage that like let's keep the boys fresh but let's make sure they're getting you know some good game situation mentally mental reps if you will i think pete is phenomenal i mean i don't think i know pete is phenomenal at that Next case, next situation I'm going to bring up. Both of Brock Purdy's appearances have been at home. Am I correct? Is this factual? This is factual. Both of them he has not started with, but at some point had a very, very good lead, and they were in complete control of the game. And the game he started – I will say that game he started, some of the reason they were up was because he was like, he made some throws. Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. He, he made incredible. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He looked yep. very, very good. Yep. Um, next note. Next note. Debo Samuel is now out. And I'll get to why that is a, a thing. I think for this game specifically. And also final note, and I'm going to put all this together. You've got, a divisional game of two teams that really, really know each other. And even Kyle Shanahan, 
I mean, you look at this, Kyle Shanahan, obviously, I think, grew up under his dad's tutelage. There's a lot of carryover from a few members of Pete Carroll's staff. For example, maybe my tight end coach got his first gig in the league as a quarterback's coach under Mike Shanahan and the Denver Broncos. So they generally know what each other is trying to accomplish. So now we're going to go into it. Boom. We show up. Kickstart my heart is fucking banging through the rafters at Lumen Field. The Seahawks season is on the line. There's a light missed. It's Thursday night. Brock Purdy has barely practiced because he has an oblique issue. And it's a Thursday night, so he hasn't really been able to prep like he normally would. And he's got 60,000 Seattleites screaming at him. And the Seahawks finally figure out how to play defense. <laughs> that's the big hand. Okay. That's the that's the big question mark. Boom. Bruce Irvin gets in early, smokes him. Little little adversity. How does he handle it? And if you think for one minute, too, Pete Carroll and Clint Hurt, because Pete Carroll's a defensive ain't cooking up some sort of deal to be like, yo, we usually don't do this, but we're throwing a curveball at the young kid. And now also, what's the big thing I said? Hey, you got to stop the run. You know what makes it easier to stop the run? When you don't have to defend Debo Samuel running outs. So right now you've got Kittle, who's probably going to go off for 60, and you got Brandon Ayuk, and then the next guy is Juwan Jennings, not including McCaffrey. He's in his own separate category. So that yeah. does help us. There's one absolutely explosive wide receiver that we need to deal with. So why I say that? We're not playing too high safety. We're taking Ryan Neal and we're sticking him in the box. We need to stop the run at all costs. And then we need to try and confuse Brock Purdy and making a couple mistakes. Ben, don't break defense. Take the ball away. Is it, un is it unbelievably hard, do you think, to fathom that Brock Purdy might make an intercept, might throw an interception this game? I don't think so. I don't think so. So now the side of the ball, can we put up 24 points? That's another big if. But the reality is, if there's guys that can do it, it's DK Metcalf, and it's Tyler Lockett, and it's Geno Smith. They're going to have to win some 50-50 balls. DK's going to catch a big go ball. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I would say. And that's why, again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ifs that I just put out there. This would have to happen. This would have to happen. But if there's a team of destiny, it's the Carroll team. And the rant is over. Let's go. Seahawks cover. Seahawks might win by fucking 20. We're making the playoffs. Let's go, baby. You know who the, the one guy that might be able to, to stop that little Seahawks rant of yours there? Even if, even if Brock Purdy is hurt, I think I still like the Niners more. Do you know who, is, who the number two is in San Francisco at the moment? Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. That dude is a dog. He can sling it. I fucking Bro. love Josh Johnson. I love him. Josh Journeyman Johnson. quarterback. He's been all over the map. He comes in to Seattle on Sunday no. night football, on Thursday night football. No. And he's like, dude, did you see him in the XFL? This ain't the XFL. It's not the XFL. This ain't the XFL. He looked get, great in the XFL in 2020. I'm going to put something out there. Producer Alec, of the 10-2 of the 10 and 2 record Pete has on Thursday night, can you tell me what the two losses were? I'd like to see this. 
Would it I make like you feel this. better or worse if the two losses were to the 49ers? No, because I think if I found out, if I think if I found out that Pete Carroll was 0-2 against the Niners on Thursday night football, I would instantly no, guessing the Seahawks. I'm guessing it was one against the Rams and one against the Cardinals. We would never lose to the Niners on Thursday night football. The Rams last year, so we stunk last year, so that doesn't even count. And the Rams are Super Bowl, eventual Super Bowl champs. So the Rams last year in 2012, 2012. So the reason I said we never lost to the Niners, my first year in the league was 2013. So 13 to 6. If you think that Brock Purdy and or Josh Johnson is coming to C-Link, because that's what I'm calling it still. Fuck Lumenfield. C-Link. Shout out Lumenfield. The fans will be waiting for the Niners at their hotel. They will be rocking the bus. If you think that the, when the mist comes down and Quandre Diggs is patrolling back there, that Brock Purdy is going to have himself a good day, you are nuts. Seattle is going to give this team everything they can handle, and I promise you they will be playing hard as shit. Pete will have these boys wound up, wound up. Luke went 2-0 over San Fran on Thursday in Seattle. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. 19-3 to and 20-3. How about that? How about that? We are coming with it. I promise you that. Am I going to promise a win? No, but I promise you the Seahawks will come out fucking with every bullet loading the chamber, and they're shooting every one of them. And another thing, we might take a page out of Dan Campbell's book. I would not be surprised to see some trick plays this game, flea flicker, some weird shit like that, or even a fake field goal, fake punt. I will not be surprised to see any of that because when Pete needs to, he will pull that shit off. And this might be a game. If they start getting stumped by this defense, defense is really bearing down. It's third, fourth and five, round midfield. The Niners better play punt safe because Pete got some big balls too. Not quite as big balls as Big Ball's belly, but Pete got some big balls too. And so with all with all the stats that producer Alec just pulled up and with all the scores that producer Alec pulled in, you're telling yeah. me you still like the over on Thursday night? What were the two scores of your two games there? 19 to 3 and 20 to 3. Ooh. That sounds like some NFC West football right there. Because yeah, everything, everything you're telling me right now about Seattle bringing it and doing all stuff, I don't mind. To be honest, it. I, I, have gotten, I have gotten cold on the over. I have. I know. So for those of you listening, me and Big Ball's Belly, I love that name, man. Triple B. I, Triple, I, me and Triple B. Gonna have to get the shoes. <laughs> have to get the lawn <laughs> Dude, I we want those shoes. Big, can I tell, can I no, tell you? Like, real, like, I wanted those shoes for, for, for one reason. They were seven hundred and fifty dollars, and my th- my thinking was, if Lavar Ball is right and Lonzo Ball is the next Steph Curry, I have his shoe. If Lavar Ball is wrong and Lonzo flames out and he's out of the league in two years, I have his shoe. If he becomes a run of the mill like an average NBA player, then I've kind of bought the shoes for no reason, and that's what ended up happening. And I think this, I, I don't even know if people end up getting the shoes to be honest, but. Um, I was like, I, like, I badly wanted those shoes because I was like, he's either going to be the best or the worst and either spot there. It's hilarious to have his shoe, but I, nonetheless, yeah. I, 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 when you put it that way. I could see where you're coming from. I can see where you're yeah. coming from on that. He just said so many, like, I like aggressive marketing campaign. Sure. But he said some wild shit that was just like, bro, this is too far. 
Like when he said he would beat MJ on a one-on-one. I'm undefeated. Never lost. (laughs) I mean, dude, stop, my guy. And then, and then, like he went on FS1 and he told, um, uh, was it Joy? I don't remember if it was Joy Taylor or it was it was it was Colin Cowherd's like co-host at the time. Told her to stay in her lane, and that was the last time I think he was on airwaves for for a while. It was a stay in your lane, and it just that yeah. I was like, no, LeVar, you gotta, you gotta stop that. You can't, can't do that. You've been canceled. You've been canceled. Until, until his next superstar NBA kid came around, then, then we had to get him back on. How did right, we I'm get gonna, to LeVar I'm gonna, Ball? I'm going to attempt to move my leg. Oh, go. yeah. Cramp, cramp update. It's been 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. I'm in good shape now, boys. So you don't, you don't, I'm cramp back. I'm live. No, once in a while, but not, not normally. So that was in, that was intense. That was that was an intense cramp. Yeah, I would have had to. If, hey, how about this for a segue? Yeah. If you were playing in a game there and you cramped up like that, I, being a good teammate, would have would have st- flagged the game down. But whoa, yo, yo, like Luke's hurt. Yeah, the same way. Let's that get Nelson into it. Aguilar Let's get into it. Do it with Devonte Parker, right? So what what happened? What happened there? How does this like? For those of you that didn't see it, I believe it was Monday Night Football. Patriots, I'm already blanking on the game. Oh boy. Patriots, Cardinals. Cardinals. Devontae Parker yep. makes a catch over the middle. He gets tackled. As he gets tackled, head hits the ground. He comes up. He's visibly just out of it. He's he's a little wobbly. He's running over to the to get the play. He goes out. They're in formation. He's he's standing there. And you can see it on the broadcast. He's got some sort of like he's just not stable. Whatever is going on in his head in the moment, he's just he's just not fully there. And now, and the the play, no one was noticing except for what seemed like Nelson Aguilar flagging down the refs. He took a knee at one point as because Mac Jones was was in shotgun looking to start the next play, and the play almost got ran. But we like Devontae Parker almost went out there and ran a route. I don't like Lord knows what happens if if Mac Jones throws him that ball. I don't I don't even want to think about it. But what like how does that happen? How does it? Producer Alex pulled up the clip here. You can see. Parker gets up. He gets helped up by a teammate. He's stumbling, and it's just—it's bad. He's—he's—he—he he can't even get into his stance. His legs are just completely spread on Aguilar. He's just screaming at the ref. He's just screaming, "Stop the play! Stop the play!" He walks over. He grabs Parker. He helps him to the sideline. And it was a weird. It was just a weird play. It, you know, it, you, it you'd expect a, a, a spotter or something to happen there, and that's just especially after the the Tua situation earlier in the season, I just feel like that's something visually that the league could just not afford to have happen. Yeah, I'm going to say a few things here. It's probably somewhat unpopular, but one of the things I think we need to do as former players and specifically our union is to stop blaming the NFL like it's all their fault. Like, oh, yeah, the NFL saw this. Like, I saw a statement that was like, we're going to review what happened. Like, the NFL wants players to go out there and get concussed and come back and play again. Like, shut the fuck up. We're now using this concussion thing as a, I don't know if it's a bargaining chip, as a let's paint the NFL as the big bad guy. The NFL does enough things to paint themselves as the big bad guy. Why can't we sit here and be like, okay, let's come to a joint, you know, conclusion on how to prevent this? 
So let's not put the onus on the player at the moment, which at some point it's unfortunate because I was the same way. But as a player, you need to take some sort of responsibility. If you can't stand up, you shouldn't be getting lined up. Second, so the idea that the refs would see this. Should the refs see it? Sure. But that's not their job. Like, when the play is, we don't notice this, but the refs have like a million little things to do. Get the ball. Fire the ball in. Okay, are we changing balls. Spot one guy spying the ball. The next guy's counting how many guys are on the field, making sure the offense, the offense sub. Yep, the offense subs. Now the defense has to sub. Okay, someone's on, like they're doing a bunch of shit. Their first level of thing is, did anyone get concussed? Now the idea that a guy got up and was a little woozy. How the fuck is the ref supposed to know if it was his head? I mean, if it wasn't that obvious, which this one it was head onto the ground. How does he know it's not his shoulder or his leg? Refs not. That's not the ref's job. So I'm sure if the ref knew wholeheartedly, yo, this guy's concussed, he can do that. The next thing is, and you nailed it yourself, and this is why I'm like, you need to stop politicizing is the whole ordeal. But it's like, okay, so the spotter didn't see it, which is a good question. Okay, do I think the NFL is like, there's a conspiracy how the spotter missed that one? But we're seeing on the broadcast, maybe the spotter was looking at something else. You know, maybe there was a play on the offensive line where he's like, yo, is this guy all right? Who knows what was going on? I don't think the spotter, what do they call it? The independent neuro psych guy is intentionally leaving Devontae Parker out there. I don't believe that. And then the next thing is, how come there's not more people like Nelson? Nelson takes a knee. Nelson's screaming. Nelson's the one who basically potentially saved Devontae from catastrophic shit. Yeah. When it's like you look there, an offensive lineman pulled up Devontae. Right on the clip, we just saw it. Players on the other team, like the sideline, you so nobody on the Patriots sideline saw it. Now, granted, they're far away, but and I can't see nobody on the Cardinals be like, yo, man, this dude's concussed. Hey, ref, you gotta blow the whistle. Devontae Parker's got a concussion. You know, like at what point do we all share responsibility to get the this out of the game instead of putting out a fucking statement like we're investigating with the NFL what happened. Yeah, the NFL really wants that. We always say protect the logo. The NFL really wants to be known as the group that is secretly wanting players to play while they're concussed. And we all go back to the Tua thing, talking about all oh, the NFL, fuck Tua and let him play. What? Do you not? I, I've been in the concussion protocol. I've been in it three times. You know how I got cleared? From the fucking Seahawks. The NFL don't come and be like, yo, boss, you can play now. There's a protocol that's agreed on by our union with the NFL, with certain doctors in the area. These are the things you need to pass the concussion protocol and play. The idea that you can get a concussion on Sunday and play on the following Sunday is incredibly, incredibly hard because of the protocol. I'm telling you, I've been so unless you're willing to lie on the protocol, you basically have to be symptom free. I think it's like X amount of days. And then you have to also do like the first day is, okay, you've been symptom free for 48 hours or whatever the exact hour line is. Then you jump on the bike for five minutes and be symptom free from that. And then you have to be in the moment you have one symptom, the clock restarts. So the reality is playing, getting concussed on Sunday and playing the next Sunday, you pretty much have to wake up on Monday with no symptoms and be symptom-free all week. 
you just run, you simply run out of time. So again, like that's not on the two of coming back and playing to me is more on the doctors than it is the quote unquote NFL. Unless there's some sort of deep rooted conspiracy here, which I really don't think there is. So that's why I'm a little annoyed and I'm glad that Nelson did what he did, but it's not just on the NFL. It's on the NFL PA. It's on every single person that sees what's going on. The refs, the players, the sideline, the coaches, everyone can help the situation so that it doesn't happen. End of rant. Yeah. So I I just like, how do you avoid that happening again? Right. Because your point there about the lineman picks him up and, you know, you say like the, the refs miss it because the refs have their jobs of spotting the ball and doing all that stuff. That lineman picks him up probably. He's just like, okay, I got to get back to my spot. I got to get to the huddle. Got to get the next play. Go, go, go. Aguilar notices it because they're on the same side of the field together. He looks over and I, Aguilar might have even just looked over because I know guys have to, you know, they check if they're uh, behind the line of scrimmage and maybe looked over and was like, oh shit, like Devontae's fucked. Like stop yes. the game. So I don't know. There's the independent spotter, but like does should does the PA need someone there like to represent both sides, like both teams? Do you need more? Do you need more spotters? I don't do you need an offensive and a defensive spotter? I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, more like, spotters would help, but I also think like Nelson's a prime example of doing the right thing, and like more guys can do that. Like if I were to pick someone up that I think is concussed, yeah, I would be like, "Yo, boss, like, are you good, man?" But I, okay, I guess they're like, not good. Let's go to the ref. Yo, ref, man. Yeah, or tell buddy I, like, "Yo, take a knee right now, big dog." Like, but I don't know. Like, he's battling. Is there a but chance a that it's 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 Monday night football and you just took a, a lot of fucking smelling salts as I hit my mic? I'm so sorry, right? You just took a lot of smelling salts and you're in the game and you're just you're just fucking wired. You just you pick up your teammate and you don't even think twice about it. And you just you go sure. and you go about it, right? I I understand There's, that you're saying like there has to yes. be a responsibility on the players to to kind of not self police on everybody in that, in that case, but yes, I just they're they're Based on what I saw Monday night, you, there needs to be more of a support system put into place because you, you can you cannot have because even even with Russell Wilson, I found the Russell Wilson thing kind of strange. He went down, he hit his head, he was lights out for a second, and within yes. five to ten seconds, he was standing up, and he had forced himself up. And the trainer was talking to him and was trying to keep him kind of standing. But I was sitting there watching. I was like, "Why is this guy standing up right now? He's he was just conked." I can so tell you just, why. I can, I please, can tell you why for sure. Playing with Russ is because now it's kind of backfired, and it, you'll never just and it. But the rea- Russ, people can rag him. People can say like whatever they want about him being a little cringy. But on game day, at least in Seattle, that motherfucker wanted to win bad. Mm-hmm. He was tough as shit. And there's not one human being. Again, you can say whatever you want about his his other shit, his play style. You, can, I don't. I'm not here to talk about that now. But as far as being in the fucking huddle and wanting to win, that motherfucker wanted to win bad. That was my experience with him, and he did, especially when I was younger. Some fucking wild shit. What made some wild plays week in and week out? And I know the way he thinks, and I guarantee you. He went down there. They were like that they game to them. Not 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 a season saving, but.
but a, a, a consolation. Hey, man, this is what we could be. Chiefs are potentially the best team in the league. We just fucking beat them. And it's like, he's sitting there. He just had a big scramble. They're going down the field. It's a one-possession game. He gets conked out. I guarantee you his thought was, if I show any symptoms, I'm going to be automatically DQ'd. And then he tries to stand up, and it becomes yeah. what it is. Because now it's like, fuck, it's even more obvious. But I guarantee yeah. you, bro, the man is a competitor. And that's kind of how it is. Like, dude, I can't show any symptoms. There. I got to get up. I got to get up because they'll never let me back in. Yeah. And he gets up, and it's like, uh-oh, not good. But in that moment right away, that's your that's your natural reaction. Your natural reaction is not like – like, I'll never forget my first concussion ever playing the Rams. And I never had a concussion. And I was sitting there in the in the whatever doctors took me off the field. And uh, this would have been 20, I don't know. Let's see, 13, 14, 15. I want to say 2015. Took me off the field. I'm in the locker room now. And I was almost like fucking ashamed, bro. Like I was ashamed because it was like physically I was fine. Yeah. Like my legs worked great. My arms worked yeah. great. And even my mind at this point was functioning fine, like thinking wise, but you're just in like this deep fog. Like I'm in this deep ass fog, but you feel like a fucking coward. Cause I'm like, bro, we're playing the Rams. As we've mentioned this podcast before, it didn't matter what the Rams were record were was we always had grimy games, with the Rams. And I'm sitting in there. I'm a, my head, and I think most people would agree, maybe not statistically, but I'm a very big part of the offense when it comes to blocking, when it comes to doing a lot of things. And now I'm sitting here when I, outside of my brain, I am physically ready to go out there and battle with the boy. You feel like a fucking coward. But it's like something's not right. And it, it's a hard, like, it's not as black and white as it is for us right now talking when you're like, dude, you got a concussion, sit out. It's like, do I? I again, this is my first one. I'm like, do I have a concussion? Am I going to be okay in five minutes? Can I go out there and play? Like, what's going on? So it, it's it's a strange situation, to say the least. I felt like a fucking coward that day, Luke. That being said, I did have two and a half, three weeks of symptoms where I felt like my eyeballs were burning out of my head anytime I concentrated. So that made me feel better in the long run that I did stop. But at the time, it was a tough pill to swallow. Oh, you're muted, man. I don't hear you. I don't got you right now. We lost you. Oh, no way. Rookie, back, rookie, rookie move, rookie move. That's a that's a bang. That that should be a fine. Talking with the mic muted should be a, a five. We should have a fine system. That actually be that that'd be good. A podcast fine system. We might have to producer Alec take 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 that down in our next uh, our next production meeting. We'll have to discuss a fine system, perhaps. So the next time my co-host uh, schedules a date for the night that we record, I might uh, I might take some money out of his pocket. We can cut that if needed. Pixar didn't happen, buddy. Pixar didn't happen, huh? Hey, I'm not. I'm not touching that. I'm not going anywhere near that. Speaking of picks, or it didn't happen. Gosh, you you got a way of just putting stuff on a tee for me, producer Alec. If you're still uh, if you're still with us, can you pull up the picture that I sent you earlier uh, this evening? Oh gosh. Oh wow. Doing a, this doing sounds a like a clandestine move. Ooh. And, uh, Luke, I'm just wondering, what could you, for those of you that aren't watching, this is a picture of Luke Wilson from the year 2019 speaking with a man wearing a jacket that reads Madden Ratings Performance Adjuster. Yeah. 
Yeah, what do you want to know? What could you two possibly be talking about? So this photo was taken at the Super Bowl. I can I would say we were on, I was on Radio Row. Um, dude, the suit looks good there though, doesn't it? Oh, Come yeah. on now, give give oh, me yeah. some love on that. Oh, All right, yeah. so I am not a Madden guy. I'm a, I was a FIFA guy. I don't play much video games anymore. FIFA, and then I did play some Fortnite with the boys. Shout out the boys. Shout you know, out, shout out Mark. Shout out Pudge. Yep. Another guy named Slim. Slim Reaper. We'll get into Slim Reaper later on down the road. Slim Sippin', Slim Drippin', Slim Roethlisberger. Anyways, that's coming down the road. Uh, on the, uh, on the, the all-time gaming channel coming, uh, coming to, a <laughs> Twitch, to a Twitch.tv near you someday. Yeah. These bad guys filming some stuff. And I'm like, boss, I got I to gotta ask, man. Um. Am I cutting out right now? I got a little Wi-Fi thing in my corner. There we go. We're back. We're back. Yeah, you're, so good, these, you're good. These bad guys come around, and uh, I started asking them, like, how do you judge the ratings? Like, how do you do these ratings, if you will? And you can't really tell here, but my man is not a big football guy. So what they actually told us, which was very fascinating, was when they have these performance adjusters like this guy they know very very little about football they don't want any sort of bias going into these ranks so they'll go in and be like yo this guy knows nothing doesn't know any names doesn't know who's who and like wow. we're gonna give you like here they're 40 times here their stats here's some film to watch here's like the balls they caught go and they just give guys rankings and what happens is I think for the most part, they're somewhat accurate. But at the end of the day, there's whatever, 1,500 NFL players. Like, they're not going to be completely spot on. And a yeah. lot of it is very, very subjective to whatever they watched. So one of the things that was funny was I always had a very high speed rating because I ran a fast 40 for a tight end. So when I was younger. I was like, everyone would be like, bro, I just run you down the seam and mad. And everyone would be saying that. I'm like, I don't play Madden, but I got that all the time. Bro, I, I play with you Madden all the time because your speed's like an 88. And it, it's a crazy matchup, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, thanks, everyone. Like, dude, you're the best player to play with in Madden. And I'm like, okay, but I had been on a 40 time coming into the league. Well, that really carried me to be a decent Madden player for a long time because later on we got Jimmy and I became more of a blocking guy for the Seahawks. My spy went down, but in the adjuster's mind, it's like, well, we had him at an 88 last year. What are we going to put him down to now? We're not going to put him down to a 75. Yeah. So I always stayed kind of high, you know, and it was kind of nice because then I have a bunch of kids be like, bro, we love playing with you and Madden. So I was probably yeah. talking to my guy saying, what's up, bro? I appreciate the speed rating, you know? Please don't watch Keep me run up, today. <laughs> no, I tell him like, boss, I might even be faster, but I love the speed rate. I'm trying to love him up. You know, I these like guys that. come at their heads like, bro, you got to give me a better blah, blah, blah rating. I'm going, kill them with kindness, baby. Let's get it. You know what I'm saying? Remember me. Next yeah. time you see me make a play, oh, yeah, it's a guy talking to the Super Bowl. Good guy. Maybe I'll so give them a couple points. So do they just they just come to, like, training camp and practice and stuff and just watch I stuff? Or, like, or, or they go, I'm not they go sure. to games. They try and make them very, like, uh, what's the, like, when you can't see someone, like, like not hidden, discreet. but... Uh, Yes, uh, like, because like guys Belichick filming practices yes. in the early 2000s. Yeah, dude, guys will. Wow, what a great love that. We'll I, get into that oops. one day. 
<laughs> um, guys will legitimately, legitimately, uh, be upset, like big mad, and will will call these dudes out, like motherfucker, we're watching, put my shit higher. So, um, speaking, I got a funny one, man. I got I got a funny one that 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 Bill Belichick thing just spurred my mind. Yeah. One of the uh, this is a good, and I'm gonna bring this into a college story that was quite comical one of the most absurdly stupid tweets i've ever seen happened this year and it was talking about coach mike mcdaniel okay for the dolphins and yeah. it was some beat reporter or some fucking media muppet that clearly doesn't know shit and he's like mike mcdaniel stays ahead of the curve at his walkthrough practice he had 13 or sorry, I'm thinking it's Canada. He had 12 players on the field just in case somebody's watching and trying to figure out what schemes they're doing. And the tweet went viral. Like, bro, it's fucking brilliant. This guy's a genius. And I'm like, bro, I have done that every single pregame since fucking college, as has every other fucking team in the league. Rice University, let alone the fucking NFL, when we were two and ten, nobody gave a shit what our offense was. We we had about twelve plays. We were doing that. So I'm like, bro, you got to stop with this. With like, I understand the guy's a genius, but stop, bro. That's just a blatant lie. We would go. Our guy, the one year was awesome. Was BJ Daniel. So BJ Daniel was our backup quarterback. He was a little bit. He was a. Uh, I believe he was in the what's. The not is it the XFL or the USFL for a little bit? BJ okay. Daniels would, would come in, he was a QB. And if we were on the road, so how it would generally work, let's say it was an East Coast trip, we'd fly out Friday after practice, show up, and then we'd either go to like a local college or sometimes a high school. We'd go to a field Saturday morning and we'd just run through some plays. We called it chasing ghosts. You chase ghosts, they give us weird looks on defense. If this happens, like we didn't practice it much, but how would you guys react? And there could be people walking around. I'm sure people talk. Like usually there are a couple fans that somehow found out we were there. Okay. So Pete would have BJ Daniel go in. He was in the huddle every time. Line up wherever, run some crazy route. Like we'd run a normal concept and you have BJ Daniel running a fucking 10 yard dig in the middle of it. So it was fun, man. It was funny. Like we'd be like, what is BJ going to do now? Again, so unless you're like a football coach, you wouldn't really be able to pick out like that guy doesn't belong. Does that make sense? And it also is yeah. like a little bit of a tradition. Now, that being said, this was the greatest troll that's ever happened on a practice. It wasn't me personally, but I'll never forget this as long as I live. I'm an older cat now. I'm at Rice University and we're playing the Houston, I don't even fucking, Cougars. Okay, and that was our big rival. Houston and Rice, we were about a 10-minute drive from each other. Again, when I say big rival, what's in relative terms here? Okay, this is in Ohio State, Michigan. Hey, but it's big. big we played for the – you'll love this. We played for the Bayou Bucket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Bayou Bucket. This is when we were in the same conference as Houston as well. Yeah. So that week, you would kind of know, like, hey, man, there could be a little spying. There could be a little spying going on. We had a big stadium. Rice, we used to call it Historic Rice Stadium. I'm not sure if that's the actual name, but we hosted a Super Bowl there. So it was good in the historic sense, but it was bad because it held 75,000, and we only pulled about 15. 
So it made it seem like there were 12 people in the stands. Okay. But uh, so we had to cover That's the tough. end zones, that whole thing. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Tarped so we off go. And all that shit. Exactly. So our head coach, who's a very nice man, goes to one of our strength coaches and goes, Hey, go, you see that guy up there? And there's a dude, okay, in the press box with a red hat on. In our press box, we had the double deck. Again, it was a big stadium. Maybe producer Alec, Alec can throw up a fucking uh, historic Rice Stadium shot in a sec. So there's a guy up there, and you can see him. Everyone's like, and he'd be like, guys, you see somebody up there? And it's like all we saw was like a little head with a hat. Uh, a little head with a hat, right? So he goes, and one assistant strength coaches goes up there. It's obviously a ways up to the top deck. And he goes over there, and and Coach Bailiff was our head coach. Keeps like be like, I'm pretty sure that's a that's a person up there. What's he doing? Like, never. He's not in here. Sure as shit, he's making a big scene. He's like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" I didn't really swear, but he probably dropped an f bomb here. And we're all stretching, warming up for practice. We're like, "Oh yeah, that looks like a human." So strength coach gets in the press box, and we're far away. I'm trying to paint this picture. We're far away. And all of a sudden, the red hat guy gets up and starts sprinting like he's like, like it's a real human, right? And we're like, what the fuck? Like someone's actually spying on a shit. And they're like wrestling each other. And he's like trying to dodge them and get out of the way. And we're like, dude, this is nuts. And like now the whole team's watching. Okay. And it's our strength. which is a huge meathead. We're like, dude, this is fucking busy. So the guy puts a, like after the wrestling thing, the guy puts a juke move on him. And, and scoots by our coach out of the way. So now our coach is chasing after him. And then right at the door, he like catches them. Okay. And we're like, oh, and we're all like, dude, you can imagine a college football team. Yeah. We're going fucking, there's historic Rice Stadium. And that's the press okay. box. You can see how high it is. All right. At the top. That's actually a big, that's a big crowd for us right there. This must've been a big yeah. game. Full barn. So, uh, yeah, that's a lot for us. Shit, this might have been against Houston just because Houston traveled really well 10 minutes down the road. So it was. Yeah, that makes more sense because we didn't, unless we played Houston, we weren't getting that many people. <laughs> so the dude I gets out there. Your games. I appreciate that, Luke. And they get in another tussle at the door, and all of a sudden the door opens, and we lose sight of him for like a second. And you see our, our strength coach. Pick this fucking guy up and throw him over the ledge. (laughs) So now all of a sudden we were like, holy shit. He just fucking killed him. (laughs) I mean, you saw the thing. He picked him up and threw him over the fucking ledge of a, of, and like on the other side. Okay. And he looks down and does like palms up. Like he's like, oh shit. Like, I just dumped this fucking guy. It might have been. I don't know. I'm not good with feet, but I'm talking two, 300-foot fall to straight concrete. Okay. <laughs> and we're all like, bro, did we just witness a fucking murder? And long story short, the whole thing was planned. I mean, dude, I was tripping. I'm like, he's fucking killed him. They, they planned the whole duped? thing. And they put a fucking dummy with a red hat laying on the ground. So right at the door when they started tussling, 
the actual human who was in on it laid down and he picked up the dummy and threw the dummy over the fucking ledge. Dude, one of the greatest trolls of all time. Yeah, it's a real story, dude. That is oh bizarre. Dude, over the top. That's awesome. That that the moment yeah. of like watch because you were like, because I'm picturing just a college football team. I'm, you know what? I'm picturing Blue Mountain State just watching. A guy just fights some dude at the top of the thing, and everyone's going, ah, "Go fuck him up!" Go yes. watch Wait, yes. did did he just just kill him? Did he just kill him? Bro, that was exactly like what? He's dead. Bro, that was exactly it. We had eighty-five college kids screaming like, "Get his ass! He's fucking smart!" Kill him! Fuck you! Kill him! Wait, no, don't kill him. Yes, bro. Shit was wild. He might have won that year too, which was nice because we usually didn't beat him. Case Keenum got hurt. That was a big one, bro. Yeah. That's that might be the biggest win we had in college. Well, we had a couple, not many, but we had a couple big wins. But Case Keenum got hurt for the bucket one year, and we beat Houston 34-31. And it was like, oh my God, we won the Bayou Bucket. The next year or the year before, I think it was the next year, Case was not hurt and set the record for throwing TDs in a game with nine. Nine TDs. That wasn't fun, especially when you're on kick return. (laughs) Bayou Bucket. Bayou. So what is, like, with the winning team, just, like, because I know, like, the Cheez-Its Bowl, they get the thing at Cheez-Its, they dump it on the coach. Would you guys we just, got like, the bucket. take a bucket and be like, bucket? No, That's bro. What? Bro, <laughs> producer Alec, bro. Get the photo of the bucket. Bayou Bucket up here. Let me see get the, the Bayou photo bucket. of the Bayou Bucket, bro. I'm sorry. I'm not familiar that with the Bayou Bucket. Bro, you need to. You need to. I'm not up to I'm date. I'm hoping that he finds a photo of John Joffrey, former teammate of mine screaming we got the bucket because that's probably the only time it was ever really funny i got a feeling do you think he's crunch right now i think he's away from his desk oh i bet you he's deep on google images looking for a rice owl holding a bayou bucket because i can tell you i'm on the first page and there's a lot of uh houston cougars houston trophy <laughs> yeah we didn't win very many times we did, did not you guys, win very many did times. You guys, did, uh, did you – I could look this up, but I'd rather ask you. Did you have any winning seasons at Rice? We did. So this was what was and, very tough about college. Yeah. And it, it, it this translates to the NFL. I would say things you don't think about as a kid. Things you don't think about as a kid coming out of LaSalle, Ontario. So sign the deal to go to Rice, whatever, blase, blase, get down there and – I redshirted because I was playing baseball. I missed all summer school and was because of a hurricane, which ended up being a tropical storm, missed the first few days of camp because Houston had a tropical storm going on. So, and honestly, redshirting was great for me. So worked out in the long run. We go and we have one of the best seasons rice football has ever had. We win 10 games. Uh, Our losses were to Texas. Colt McCoy led Texas, I believe. Vanderbilt, which was, they were pretty good, you know, Big 12 school, whatever at the time, and Tulsa, but that was the year Tulsa was always like a top 20 team. And we go 10 and 3, win a bowl game, uh, smoke the Western Michigan in the Texas Bowl. Jarrett Dillard was a finalist for the Blitnikoff. James Casey was a draft pick. I don't know if you remember that name. 
and we had a USFL MVP in Chase Clement, the quarterback of our team. Fast forward, also a longtime NFL, or I think like 11 years, Andrew Sandejo was our safety. He was an absolute okay. star. Yeah. So we had a good squad. Well, Dillard left, Casey left, Clement left. The next year we went two and ten. Yeah. And you don't realize, like, at that D1 level and the pro level, the implications going two and ten has on so many things outside of football. Hmm. OC fired. Let me rephrase that. And also at that level, you don't realize what winning 10 games. You know who our offensive coordinator was when we won 10 games? Tom Herman. Does that name sound familiar? Eventual yeah. OC of Ohio State. Eventual head coach of Texas. So we lose Tom Herman. We lose James yeah. Casey, former NFL or future NFL at the time. We, we lose one of the best college quarterbacks of that generation. Who's a Blitnikoff finalist, who's also drafted the NFL, and now all of a sudden we go two and ten, and then it's like, uh oh, got to get rid of this guy. We only won two games, and then we go four and eight, and then we get rid of that OC. So yeah, then we go four and eight again, and it's like, shit, dude, this is the most miserable three years. We're not in a bowl. We're not even really close to a bowl. We're just scraping by, and every year we have a new coach coach but it's like somebody's got her to why we're this bad my last year we were two and six and i think we won four straight ended up six and six which is bowl eligible baby and espn ranked the bowls we went to the armed forces bowl and it was one of the worst days of my entire fucking life i've never been more devastated that's a story maybe for episode seven but I've never been more embarrassed football player. And I left the field thinking I'm about to have to go back to play minor league baseball. This might be the last football game I ever play. 13 months later, we were at MetLife holding the fucking Lombardi, baby. Let's get it. (laughs) It's crazy. That is crazy. And yeah. I mean, that's a story. One moment it would be, it would be the Fort Worth. Armed Forces Bowl against Air Force. Wow. Um, I mean, do you want me to get into it now? Or do we save it, bro? You tell me. We're running long on this. I don't know. Is that's up to you? I mean, if you wanna, you wanna get this off your chest now. If we wanna give it a little tease, maybe get the get the folks back Let's here. Let's tease I it. Think, Let's tease it because yeah, I think we're going to build this as we grow this podcast. I have a feeling that Rice will and my experiences will start to grow, and that will give a little bit more of an insight to why after wanting so fucking badly a bowl game in college, the moment that I got there and we finally did it, it was the worst football memory I've ever had. A little more perspective. I mean, if that doesn't get you tuning in to next week's <laughs> Wednesday episode, when Luke and I, Luke and I are just on these Wednesday episodes, I think we're just going to start chatting, Luke. I think you're, you're a bit of an interesting cat. I think we, we dove, we dove into that a little bit with episode one with the, the philosophy degree and all that stuff. So I, I think these Wednesday shows, we're going to start getting some 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 people in the mix. We had a guest lined up for today. Unfortunately, uh, was, some schedules didn't line up, but might get them in the mix next week. And and who knows where where things go from there, right? So, well, uh, we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get this. I'm gonna have to get this story out of you now. Once we stop recording, because I'm way too curious. But then we'll have to get this. We'll get this going on the pod. We'll get the people up to speed on 
your worst day as a football player maybe ever based on what what i'm hearing so ever for sure definitely not it had nothing to do with bad me making bad plays it was just a lot of things a lot of things culminated into a very very bad time for me but looking at the box score looking at the box score i might be putting some of the i have a catch no catch no no. catch no no no. only i think the tight ends because we had a good crew but the only catch we had was vance mcdonald as a tight end group one for 14. am i right on that let's see let's see if i still got it we had three tight ends that were all in nfl camps the next year I think we had one tight end catch one ball that game. Nice. Might have been Vance one McDonald's. for six, actually. One for 25. You know Ooh, he had, a, he had a big one. He had a big you one. You know what that means? That means he probably hit his yeah. over on that one catch. I don't know. He was he was pretty good for us. Second round pick. His over might have been higher. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But I think I think I think we'll I think we'll put a little a little pin in this episode right here. Oh, hold on. Something that Something producer Alex got something for us to wrap up on in twenty. Yeah, he's back. He's back. He had to take it. He's he's, he's got a Bayou bucket reel, or he's, he's been. You know what? He might. I said, "Fuck this motherfucker, Luke." Talking shit about the the Guelph Griffins once again, and he might have just been cooking up a really embarrassing shit for the last hour because he's mad at me right now. He's got he's got you face swapped on on a Western yeah, no, Mustang. He said he needs. I wouldn't mind that. I'm not a diehard Mustang guy, but I would say uh, the fam likes the Mustangs. Oh, 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 bro, there's oh, me. Man. I can see me. 82. 82. <laughs> no way. Bro, that's the Bayou Bucket one. Look at my guys, bro. Look at us. Get me in there, bro. Usually I'm in there. Come on, Luke. Get in there. Oh, oh, where's the bucket? Oh, Someone steal the oh. bucket? No, we're just jogging off. These are the guys oh. that. Oh, here's oh, the bucket presentation. Here's yes. The bucket. Where is he? Bro, you asked if it was a bucket. That's a nice bucket. I mean, shout out Case Keenum for not playing in this game. I'm on and the what's left. Everyone, says. What's everyone? Oh, yeah, I have, up I, have bare, I have a buzz cut. I have a buzz cut. Oh, I'm not going to find you. Deep on the left. I'm by the guy at the cowboy hat. Oh, there we go. Now I'm getting into it. I mean, bro, you want to see jubilation? We actually beat Houston. This was a huge win for us. A huge, a huge, a true where were you moment. Dude, the, the fans rushed the field, all 12 of them. So how did this compare to winning the Super Bowl? Uh, it would be like winning a T-ball championship versus winning the Super Bowl. Both things that I don't you even and think I have we done were... combined. If you no combined our career <laughs> accomplishments, we've, we've done that. I got T-ball we were, championships. I love I was that. We were 4-8 and eight that year. Were you really? Oh yeah, you kidding me? I knew I knew the rules. No one else knew the rules, so I was just double unassisted double plays, unassisted triple plays, uh, anything you wanted. I was doing it. We'll get my dad That's on here it. one day. He'll just talk about how sweet of a t-baller I was. Everyone else then grew and caught up to me, and it was just like caught up fun. to you. You were one of those yeah. kids. I want to hear about this on the next pod. I will say I got to add one thing about the Bayou Bucket, and my boy, my college roommate, Mike Patterson, incredible dude. Listens to the pod. Listens to the pod. He will remember this. We had, I think, the worst defense in college that year, hence why we were 4-8. and eight. Somehow, not only was Case Keenum hurt, I remember this now, we had a fucking hat within Houston's organization 
that gave us all of their no huddle signs and they didn't huddle. So not only did they have their backup quarterback, but our coaches had like some binoculars or shit on their signs. So we were calling out their plays before they would actually run them. And they still managed to score 31 on us, but we managed to score 34, baby. <laughs> so you were, anyway, shout out, shout out Mike Patterson, but you were a, a T-ball star. Were you like really yeah. big as a kid? No, I, you know what? I, I honestly, I think as a kid, I just like, I liked sports. And so when you grow up and like you're playing T-ball and you're playing rookie ball as like a five, six year old, kids just don't like give a fuck. So you're like, I would show up and it'd be like game seven of the world series every game. And it was like, no, like stop picking lions, like get on base, tag yeah. up. Right. And bait like that. That's the thing with baseball. Like, there's the base. There's so many. I don't get. I don't how like how kids play baseball is beyond me. There's so many stupid rules. You're standing on first base. Your five year old teammate hits the ball. You run, but the ball's hitting the yes. air, and I catch it. And I look at you. I'm like, you have to go tag up. You're like, what's tagging up? And I tag you. And it's like, buddy, this fucking easy game. Easy game. Put me 100%. in short. Let me just let me just grab the ball. I'll run to second. I'll run to first. The inning's over. Grab your popsicles. We're hitting again. Let's go. Everyone. I love that. I love. So you were, you were not only athletically above the curve, but mentally you were much above the curve. Oh, just dialed in. Absolutely dialed in. in. It's funny you say that. So I don't know if you knew this, but my dad is number one love of sport is baseball. Okay. Loves baseball. And uh, as we've mentioned before in private conversation, Windsor has always had good baseball teams, always. And back in the day, I want to say my dad was a part of like nine Canadian championships. They had this team called the Windsor Micmacs, and they would just smoke everyone. Like, dude, they do a whole thing in in Windsor. You go into like the odd like Windsor sports bar, and it'll be like, here's the the Micmac great years. And you'll have all these like. And what, yes, what, what, yes. what ball was this? Was this junior? Was this senior? Junior. Uh, junior into okay. senior. So there'd be junior yeah. into senior ball. Yeah. And I still Windsor, think I don't the follow. Jun- the junior yes. baseball scene Talk in Windsor me. is just, it's it's stupid. Because I, I, like, like I, I played junior baseball. Hum, humble brag, yes. Mr. Super Bowl champion. I played junior baseball when I was in first year <laughs> university. Okay, they, I played for the Hyde Park Junior Baseball Club. Hell yeah. Um, and we... Oh, oh my no. goodness. Oh, shit. oh my bro, that's you. That's your that's your twin younger brother, bro. That's, that's not you. That's me, man. That's first That's year not how old are you there, bro? That's that's oh my 18 years bro. old, I think. Yeah. So this so that's funny not funny you, bro. Look at that smile. Yeah. Also, Alec, crop crop the picture. We can't that 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 Ryerson. We can't have that anymore. Come on, man. Uh it's Toronto Metropolitan oh, yeah. University now. Yeah, yeah, it was shows gonna, shows gonna get canceled. Cancel him. Um, that that picture right there. You see that picture? You can go look at it again. That guy was six three, one sixty, like maybe like pushing it one sixty. I listed oh when I because I, you know, dude, I was it was it was it was stupid. I listed at at six three one eighty. And it was funny. A couple years after I made the team, one of the coaches said to me, "It was like, dude, you." Well, I remember when you showed up, we were like, "Who the fuck's this guy?" Like, "Where's the six three one eighty guy?" <laughs> this guy's not six three one eighty. They thought a fucking stud was walking, and it turns out it was it was just me. This picture, bro, that's so funny. Oh my goodness, wow. I would. But you can tell you're young there, bro. Like you, you have a ways. You were you were a young eighteen year old. 
You weren't like oh, a fully yeah. matured eighteen year old. No, no, yeah, no. I was. Yeah, like, you know, some dude yeah. show up with like a full beard in, in college. Dude, some some dude, dude show up with beard to the eleventh grade. Like, yeah, yeah. See, bro, that just to me, if I'm a coach, I'm like, this kid's gonna develop here. Let's get it right. <laughs> Let's have this kid see some life. <laughs> no question. Yeah, get no him question. Some, those those I, I will say those those the the baseball wasn't. I mean, it was it was Canadian University baseball. It wasn't the best baseball. It was good. It was competitive. Like there were guys were playing junior, yeah. guys were playing senior. We had some guys, you know, guys would go to JUCOs and come back to school. So it was high level. It was the ball was good enough, but the guys were just were incredible. Like I wouldn't if if yeah. the if the the players and like the the guys on the team weren't the way they were. I don't know if I would have like lasted after a single season. But it was yeah, it was just uh, yeah. Producer producer Alex saying shout out Pete Apostolopoulos if. We'll have to we'll have to introduce you to Pete. Pete's uh I've heard good things. I've heard good things. And I I only have good things to say about Pete. But yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe dive into the to the, the Ontario junior baseball scene a little bit. I do coach, I do still coach in the loop. So I'm I'm dialed in on that shit, man. We'll have Wait, to get you're you coaching? The, yeah, I'm coach. Yeah, I coach you uh U21 ball. I'm back with so I played a year with High Park and then I got into coaching. You didn't tell me this after after my playing days, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, I'm at third base, man. I'm I'm giving the signs. I'm calling all the shit. Dude, I ran us out of a couple innings this summer. Bad. Really? Bad. Oh, so bad. Like super early in the year. There was I remember we were are you, playing. Are you a big like, Go ahead. Are you a big Canadian baseball MLB guy? Like, do you follow the Canadians in the MLB? Um or not really? No, I, I think I used to. I used to like I used to follow Joey Votto pretty closely, just because he was a he's a okay. he was he had the Etobicoke connections. Um, yes, yes. But I'm not like sitting at home on a Thursday in June wondering what certain guys are doing. I keep tabs on Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor and I are the same age. We I yeah I played against him when we were 13. It was scary how much better he was than literally everyone else on the field. He was he was he was the only kid that when we were driving home from games, my dad would literally say to me, he'd go, that guy, Josh, should not be on the field with you guys. And there was, he was really funny because there was always rumors about him. You would like be again. We were 13. It'd be like, oh, did you hear? Apparently, Josh Naylor hit a home run 400 feet. Oh, apparently. Oh, I heard he hit one out of bond. Oh, I heard he hit one out of here. And it'd just be like these legends would grow. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting at a Jays. I think it was Jays Marlins game one night and I get a I looked out at my phone and he's been drafted in the first round um of the MLB yeah that's draft. that's ridiculous and to do that you got to be dynamic oh like and he's he's awesome he's incredible I I know you I know you're probably not the biggest fan of him after what he uh no I love the guy I love no no, no just because like, no, no no bro I love the guy I thought that was funny as fuck yeah he's and so he's, it's funny he's electric that's your baseball Canadian baseball guy for me I didn't know because I wasn't in the scene as much, but I got in the scene heavy late and I got to play with Brett Laurie. Oh, and when I was playing with Brett, oh my fucking God, was he good at baseball? Oh yeah. I mean, I think he was a 16 pick in the first round. Dude, we were 18 traveling the country playing. He got, we were, I think we were in red deer when he got drafted. This fucking guy, and I thought I was a pretty good hitter at that age. I'm like, this guy can do everything. And he was, I mean, we went down the Dominican. I'll never, I mean, this is, I don't know. I'll never, I don't know if I'll ever see anything like it. And we're 18 years old. 
Some of the guys are probably 17. And we're playing minor league. You know, the Dominican has their own minor league team. We had a double header. And Brett Laurie hit five fucking bombs off minor league pitchers. Two to left, two to right, and one dead fucking center. It was disgusting, bro. How, so how if, jacked was if he? If Naylor was anything like Brett, which I'm assuming they're both first rounders, he had to have just been very, very special. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think you have to be, especially in baseball, just an incredibly special talent to make it out of Canada and be a first rounder. Like first you, rounder, bro. First, like polished. not. And you got to be yeah. polished, bro. Not like, hey, man, this guy's got a lot of potential. No, 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 no. Like this guy's like Brett had a lot of potential, obviously played in the league and was extremely successful in the MLB. But like yeah. this motherfucker is polished right now and can still get better. Bro, Brett was he was fun to be around. I love that. I again I we don't keep in touch. But dude, that summer guy was fucking electric, dude. I was very fun to be in the dugout with him. I would yeah, imagine he was, Josh is a similar. He was a fun guy, Brett Laurie was to 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 just cheer for. I was like I was young when he was a Blue Jay, but I, I just yeah. I, I remember thinking it was pretty cool that like the starting third baseman of the Toronto Blue Jays was a Canadian and like a fiery, cool Canadian that was gonna hit bombs and be a first round pick by the Milwaukee Brewers. Like I don't know. It was Brett Laurie. I, I enjoyed the, it. There's a Yeah, and there's a, that exact reason, Luke, is the reason that I was given an opportunity by the Blue Jays. That's how the story was told to me, was that when he was just electric across the nation, they called Baseball Canada, and they're like, is there anyone else that could potentially make the MLB that is Canadian? Because this guy is a fucking star here. Uh-oh. There he is. Oh. Oh. Uh, we lost this game. We lost this game. This eliminated us from the World Juniors. But nice pick. Cool pick. That's a good pick. How about that for you? Huh? Um, right, righty that, playing first was, base, yeah? Righty playing first base? Hit left. Righty playing hit. first through right, hit left. But uh, the rumor that I had heard was that the manager that had a team Canada, Greg Hamilton, good friend of mine, respect the living shit guy, one of the coolest people I've ever played for in any sport across any sport um was like well there's a guy who's got potential he's nowhere near brett but if he committed to it for five or six years i think he could do it but the only problem is he's playing football in texas right now i got a i got a call from jamie lehman you'll appreciate this i was sitting there with a broken foot at a cast on my leg I got a call from Jamie, a Blue Jay scout. I saw on my phone it was a 519 number, and I immediately thought it was like 9 a.m. I immediately thought, which one of my fucking bullshit buddies is pranking me with an unknown phone number right now? So I answered the call and said, what do you want? And he said, it's Jamie Lehman, scout for the Blue Jays. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good one, like trying to figure out whose voice it is. Yeah. And he's like, uh... Yeah, I got your number from Greg Hamilton. Uh, we were hoping to see if you'd be interested in working out for us. And I'm like, holy fuck, this isn't a break. <laughs> this is actually the, some dude from the Blue Jays calling. So anyway, shout out for Brett. Shout out to Brett Laurie because he got to my one month, which was totally embarrassing, and extended spring was all due to Brett Laurie being a fucking 
Canadian legend playing baseball. And I think you're going to have to join us next Wednesday because we're going to have some stories to to wrap up. We're going to have to hear about you making a fool of yourself at uh, spring training with the Blue Jays. We're going to have to hear about – maybe not make a fool of yourself. We're going to have to hear about – Oh, no, no, no. Uh, trust me. I got a lot of those stories. Yeah. And so how would you define the Air Force in full? The, I, got, I wrote down the, the worst night of your football life. I don't know. Is that how you define it? Walking off the field at the Armed Forces Bowl was the worst moment in my life athletically that I've had, and nothing comes close to being this bad. There you are. So tune in next Wednesday. You might get that. You might get Luke's baseball stories. You might hear about how my life peaked in my t-ball playing days. Whatever it is, I know I'm going to enjoy it, and I hope you all do too. Shout out producer Alec for all the hard work behind the scenes. Shout out to all of you for listening to this hour and a half of Luke and I just kind of going back and forth. Like I said, the Wednesday ones, we're just going to have some fun. We're going to chop it up, talk about some life and stuff. Come back and join us on Sunday. You're going to get some picks. You're going to get Pudgy's parlays. Looking to looking to cash his second straight parlay in the NFL. We're going to have <laughs> Pudgy back hot, in the mix. Hot. We're going to get all some picks for go. Luke. Some SGPs for Sunday night. You know we're going to have a uh, something for Thursday, so come find us Thursday night. Luke, we're cooking, man. It's we're it's cooking. December 14th. We are on fire, and I'm excited for, for where things are going here. I had a lot of fun here. As always, thank you for, for the time. I'm always thanking the viewers and producer Alec, but I know you're a busy guy, and I know LA is calling, so I appreciate your time as always, man. Um, oh, this man, has been all time nice with Luke. This has been all time with Luke Wilson. I'm Luke Bellis. Thank you for joining us. Peace.